I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex and relationships in 2016. Sponsored by, you guessed it, no one right now. Every week I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? So welcome to week 16 of my unconventional life. I guess the phrase is no rest for the wicked. Funny, I don't consider myself wicked, but I've certainly had very little time to rest. I guess little time to rest for the well-intentioned doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Life is flying by. I've been driving so much for Lyft, trying to find an apartment and job, dating exercising and eating right every day and it kind of leaves me with very little time for anything else. I have had uh, three or four job interviews now without booking any of them either and if I'm honest I'm a little overwhelmed with it all. There's been very little word from my prospective parenting partner Rachel. She gets back from Europe in two days for one day and (laughs) then is going to Burning Man Um, She has one round of IVF left from the package she bought earlier this year and the last we talked uh, about a month ago, she was open to using it with me. But there's been no discussion further of any of the many details necessary and the plans for a current parenting partnership situation have changed during that time period too. Put simply, I feel very uncertain about moving forward. I guess we just need to talk a lot. I've actually finally got back on coparents.com, which is a European-based parenting website I was on before. And I wrote to a handful more prospective partners. And uh, actually one wrote back who lives down in Long Beach and did seem very promising. We had a short chat on the phone and ended it by saying we would try to meet up down there soon. So certainly hope. Um, She's a teacher, about 40 years old, looks healthy, sounds really intelligent, you know, could turn into something. Uh, Certainly hopeful. I am still in contact with Supermum, of course. After going down and staying with her, I really feel a strong sense of rapport with her. More so now than ever. I don't know, I just I just have a good feeling about her. It might only be as a friend, but whatever it is, it feels like a very positive thing. Dating is still largely static. Um, I've met some nice girls now at least, even if there doesn't seem to be that sexual spark. For now at least. But I'm a little weird. Alright, <laughs> I'm a lot weird. Even when in my head I've been like, right, this is the time when you kiss her. At that moment I become platonic man. Here, have a hug. I think we can be great friends. <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be something in my head that's stopping me. It's like I've forgotten how to kiss. I did have a very enjoyable date who told me about a recent threesome she had, which was awesome. I don't know. I love it when people open up to me. That's how you build intimacy. She made me laugh when she told me the details about how she was going down on the girl and uh, she got the distinct feeling that she was doing something wrong. (laughs) And she has one herself. So girls... Give us guys a bit of leeway sometimes. It can take a while to figure out what works for you. And don't be afraid to help out with suggestions either. Funnily enough, she'd actually listened to the podcast too. And uh, we talked about worldviews and philosophies. And hers didn't seem too far from mine. Like the transsexual, 
from uh, last week. She also said she was sapiosexual, again, meaning she is more attracted to someone's intelligence and personality than their physical appearance. And while I don't feel that way, i got to admit that um, our deep and genuine and comfortable conversations did make her more attractive to me. I think I've got my first non-wrestling, non-friend, non-suggested in-person listener to the podcast too. Uh, She suggested other people in the field I could reach out to to interview. So I've been listening to the Sex with Emily podcast as a result. Great podcast. Um, But it's made me realise how many hang-ups I have about sex. How many caveats for me to want to have sex with somebody. And how little sex I've had, or will likely have, again. I mean, look, I know my standards are pretty high. I feel like I need to know and trust someone a lot. I'm pretty fearful about STDs. I need to feel that spark and connection. I don't want casual sex. But then again, I don't want to have sex if it's going to make a girl think it's going to lead to a long-term committed relationship and upset her when it doesn't. I don't know, it does seem like I create a lot of reasons why I can't have sex. Almost as though I want to be someone who fails it. As if I've identified so much with the image that I subconsciously create it. And even when I do have sex, it's often not the wonderful and free thing that it used to be in my youth. Like I I can't completely let go of my neuroses and, and just exist. But maybe that goes for my life in general. I don't know. Either way, I would love to interview Emily for the podcast. And there are a few other people who've lived non-traditional lifestyles that I'd like to interview too. But most of all, again, I want to find people who disagree with my worldviews. I think that's what I need as much as anything. I don't know. Maybe there is hope for me yet. Maybe trying to lead an unconventional life isn't going to be easy. I should just accept that. This week's guest is Colt Cabana, Professional Wrestling's pre-eminent podcaster. A good friend who I've known since starting out in wrestling, Jesus, 15 years ago? In all seriousness, he really is an inspiration to independent professional wrestlers everywhere. And we talk about some really intimate stuff, and uh, I appreciate his willingness to do so. So much intimate stuff, in fact, that I'm not actually allowed to tag him on it on social media in case his mum finds it. But nonetheless, the content is awesome, so that, I guess, is enough. Beware, there are some explicit parts about jerking off, and uh, the interview cut out towards the end, so excuse a jump cut. Eh, maybe you wouldn't have even noticed. Either way... One of the best, Colt Cabana. Tell me your secrets. (laughs) So I am in the presence of greatness. The preeminent professional wrestling podcaster of his time. And a very good friend of mine, Colt Cabana, in the house. Nigel. Cabana. Yeah. Nice to have you here. Thank Um, you. I remember having a conversation with you. Oh, that had to be about five years ago now when you were just starting your podcast and you were telling me about Mark Merrins and saying how this is a new thing and everyone's going to do it. And I was like, ah, I just couldn't see it at the time, you know. And then obviously yours has taken off and done fantastically. It's changed my life. Yeah. But then so many other people did podcasts and I felt like I don't want to be just another guy talking about wrestling. And so it wasn't until... I sort of had this idea about my worldviews in terms of monogamy and wanting to be a parent that I thought, well, let's talk about that because that's a, a great topic. It's a possibility for a lot of conflict. And um, I wanted to get you on because I get the sense that you've got a unique viewpoint on them as well, right? Now, I know we talked in the past about dating and stuff like that and, and you weren't someone that always had a lot of like relationships as such, right? Yeah. I mean, is there a reason for that? Oh, I don't know. I've I've never been good with women. Like, in high school, I never had, like, a girlfriend. Uh, you know, dare I say I've never really had... Dare I say I've never been in love Yeah. Uh, at 36 years old. 
So um, I don't know where it all stems from. I don't know, you know, what it is. I I don't know if it's just like me, like thinking wrestling will, you know, like they're like they'll either this this made up woman that I made up in my own head hates wrestling or won't accept the lifestyle that I'm doing or won't accept doesn't want somebody who's going to be on the road four days a week like I am for the past 18 years or whatever it is. So like I always I'm quick to back off of all these relationships I have like I really ever get into quick to like stop them before they even start almost. Right. But there was no relationship in your past that made you feel that way, was there? No. Right. And it doesn't come from your parents. I mean your parents had a sort of traditional marriage, right? There was yeah, nothing... but, yeah, very traditional. But I like I don't know, I've always been very like awkward and horrible, I think, with women. <laughs> I haven't said that. Um, I do okay. You do okay, yeah, right? yeah. But I, I don't want to say. I don't know if it's like because of like a status or something. I've had beautiful. I've been with beautiful women, like, and I've I've had like fun, like, you know, like I I I try not to do one night stands. To be fair, but like I, you know, also I have like nice little flings. Yeah, and then like some way my stupid brain will like dodge out of it or ghost out of it or, or, you know, or make up a reason why this isn't going to work yeah. or make up a reason why we should just kind of keep it flingy and casual. Um, and that's been going on a long time. And in the, in the back of my head, I'm, I'm always like, I, I would love just a nice relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like on this ever search, ever quest of searching for like the perfect one. It's like very cheesy romantic and then also <laughs> shitty at the same time. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because as you said, you do a lot better with girls than, than I ever have, you know, in terms of, for me, that would be the ideal situation, you know, having a number of different flings, if you want to call it that, but but meaningful relationships, mm-hmm. not where you just like hook up and then like you go, all right, can you leave now or something? Or no, like they're that. like good, really good friends. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I want. Which I guess is, this is the whole point of the, this podcast, right? Essentially, You're searching yeah. for my life is what it is. It's, well, the irony is that, you know, so many people I've talked to about this and at, when I first talked to them, they're like, oh, not really for me. I don't kind of get it. And then I talked to them like a year or two down the line. And they're doing the exact same thing, mm. but they just didn't really, it just came into being. It just happened as opposed to they planned it out. And I think maybe I'm overthinking this. I, I've done that a lot in the past, I think, you know. I'm searching for the opposite of what you're going for. <laughs> the complete opposite. Also, you changed my life a little bit in, in when you said that you were looking for just someone to have a baby with. You know, it's it's funny because like my friend, you know, Marty DeRosa, uh-huh. who you, you were on his podcast. like Yeah. He he'll always say like it's funny when I bring when I have wrestlers on my show and I talk about how did you do that being a parent. And he said it's an ongoing theme that I'll always bring that up. It's always a super thing that like pushes a button like how did you have a kid and be in wrestling and like how did you do that? How did you survive that? So it's always like a hot button for me. So when you said you wanted a kid without getting like I didn't even think that was real, and then it made like so much sense to me, but I don't think I could ever like it makes a lot of sense, but I I don't think I could like take the steps to try to get that done no kind of like like you do right yeah <laughs> to I, find that other person well that's it i've gone out of my way i've gone on, on websites and i've actually found two girls that were interested one of which uh you know she i think she's kind of uh, got cold feet some speak but the other one uh you know ready to go really mm-hmm. it's just uh, up to me whether i move forward at this stage it's of such things. a big thing but it is but like it's a big thing for everybody, yeah, isn't there's, it? There's 20-year-olds who are just having kids. They're popping yeah, them out. who aren't thinking about it because they're, they're fueled by this oxytocin sense of I'm in love and I want to spend the rest of my life with somebody. And when you're in that situation, you put your house on it because it's so strong. It's like heroin, you know? But I, don't so- know. I don't know. Have you you've been <laughs> dabbling in heroin, Nigel? From what I understand, from what I hear. Okay. So, yeah, it, it, to me, it made a lot more sense to do it from a rational standpoint with someone that you care for deeply, that you respect, that you love, that you're even affectionate with. You know, you hug, you kiss, that sort of stuff. But it's not a romantic relationship because I feel that the sex will eventually peter out. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, you know, you're struggling to make a parenting relationship work with all the resentment of a failed sexual relationship. Yeah. Makes so it sense. makes sense. You're on board in that regard, right? Let me ask you this. You think if you never find that girl to have a child with and you never have a kid, you think you'll feel as though you missed out on something in Here's, life? I've accepted that I will never have a kid. Oh, really? 
But there's, I think that's something that I really, 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 really want. Yeah. You know, like, it's almost like, listen, when I was 25 and I, I wanted, like, I really wanted a girlfriend, you know, like, I was like, it's just never going to happen. Or I'm never going to, like, and then I, I said to myself, I'll be 35 and I, I probably won't happen. I don't see it happening. And then that's happened to me, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've been in a few, like, decent relationships, but, like, nothing where it's just, like, that shit you just see every every other person in the world having. Yeah. No, at least on the outside. Um, I, I totally believe that some people just aren't pair bonders, you know. Some people are. What does that mean, pair bonders? A pair bonder is someone who wants to find one person and invest fully in that person, completely exclusively, and wants to spend the rest of their lives together. They want to build a nest together. But here's the thing. I think in this day and age, everyone's just like forcing that. Dating websites just seems like we're looking for a match and like we both want this thing this idea of whatever this idea is, and then we're going to be stuck in there for 40 years. Whereas, right, you want that thing where you, like, meet that someone and you have everything in common and it just naturally grows and it naturally comes. It's organic. Yeah, and I think it's just, like, uh, everyone's... And I think that's why... I, I wonder what the stats are with, like, divorce rates and web meetups of people just, like, I need to... I'm 32, I need to be married now. Yeah. And then you get married to just some schmuck either way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's probably that different from how you meet, to be honest with you. I met my ex-girlfriend on Plenty of Fish, you know. I don't think that had a bearing on whether our relationship, you know, worked for as long as it did work, you know. Did you really want to get married and have kids when you met her? Like, was that your goal? No, when I met her and I even said as much, like, I don't really want a relationship. I want to keep this... I don't want to say casual because I don't want casual sex whatsoever. I've been in those situations where girls have been like, yeah, you can, we can just hook up. You know, you don't have to worry about anything else. I don't want a relationship. And not to say I've never dabbled there, yeah. but it never worked for me. You know, I, I, I feel I want to be able to talk to them afterwards. I want to see how they're doing. I want to care about them. To me, I just feel as though I want to have lots of friends and some of my friends I'll be sexually attracted to and I want to be sexual with and some of them I won't, you mm -hmm. know. I, I don't know why sex has to narrow it down to this monogamous norm. And I'm not saying, as I said, look, I'm not saying I may never meet someone and go, you know what, I just don't want to see anybody else. And that's what happened with my ex, you know. I told her up front I don't want anything serious. And then after a while I was like, man... I really like her. I don't want to see anybody else and I don't want her to see anybody else. And so we just started not seeing anybody else. And I don't know. I mean, you could probably make an argument that I was operating from a position of fear because if I didn't get into a committed monogamous relationship with her, then she'd find someone that she would and I'd lose her. And so I had to get in that situation. But I don't think so. I think it's a natural human nature to feel that way, but only for a short period of time with a certain number of people. And therein lies the difficulty, because with some people you feel that way and some people you don't, you know, and maybe if they feel that way about you and you don't feel the same way, it's it's a conflict. There's a bunch of comedians that have different takes on this, and I, I always find it interesting. I think Kurt Bronghor is a guy, I don't know if you've heard his stories. Uh -uh. He did something on This American Life where he was like, they should, you should have like a seven year contract and like everybody, you know, you get married seven years and then after seven years, should we continue this another seven or not? Yep. And then like society would be like all about it. So it's not crazy when you divorce some, you know. I think you're a you're hundred percent. I did a podcast with a guy who was an evolutionary psychologist and I was talking about this, this book called Sex at Dawn. Chris Ryan wrote it and it was really interesting and it's about the anthropological sexual history of human beings and how before pre-agriculture when we were nomadic tribes of, of like 30 people wandering around we were polyamorous and everybody who was an adult had sex with everybody else who was an adult and it was a, a resource like food or shelter like mm. anything else and that's how we're naturally hardwired and also this is fascinating really you've got to read it um, they said that <laughs> well, the reason, my fans will know that I don't read so. <laughs> the reason why women's sexual response is so slow compared to men's is that we used to have these big orgies where women would basically get screwed by lots of different guys one after the other and so it wasn't we see it as much like a gorilla where there's an alpha male and you have to fight outwardly to get this harem of women 
What they believe is that within human beings, the competition isn't between human beings, it's between our sperm once they're inside the vagina. So there's like six or seven guys sleep with this girl and whoever's got the strongest sperm in that mix gets to the egg first and that's why the strongest survive when did sexual transmitted diseases become a thing well they were always there and that's an argument for monogamy that's an argument why monogamy came a thing because people who for whatever reason genetically tended towards monogamy would avoid most sexually transmitted Mm. diseases you know that's one argument for it but anyway long story short to get back to the original podcast Mm. i was doing I um, told him about this while well, trying to be all smart about it. And he said, no, actually, that's not really the way we, we are designed. We're really designed as males to have two mating strategies. Number one is if a girl's good enough to you know have your kid, but not good enough to invest all your time in, you'll sleep with her. But if there's one that you consider genetically to be way better than you, then you will absolutely naturally feel monogamous with that girl. And you won't want her to sleep with anybody else and you won't want to sleep with the higher one. Yeah. The one that you consider like, you know, like nine out of 10, if you consider yourself an eight out of 10. Mm -hmm. Right. But the problem is that that feeling only lasts for like three to five years. Okay. And when it fades. Well, because she starts loot because it's all uh, superficial and then once you're with it for so she starts losing those tendencies that made her that alpha, right? To some extent, potentially, yeah. You know, if if, if like if you're around somebody so much that you see their flaws. Yeah, there's that as well, right? But but the bottom line was it's not just for guys though; it's girls as well, of course, right? Which is why this notion of lifelong monogamy is arguably so different. And exactly like you said, if you just expected that within three to five years you'd change the way you feel and you'd go your own separate ways and you had that conversation when you didn't feel that way you did want to carry on you'd be like oh well this is fantastic Mm. you know and it's so it's the expectation of lifetime monogamy that is the issue Mm. really think of like i got all right i got 55 years now with this one right and if it just doesn't you know if you just don't feel that way it's so difficult to say it because it it makes you feel as though you're a failure Mm. so the other comedian Mike Kaplan, you ever heard of him? Uh-uh. He's, I forget all the terms. He's exact. he's what you are. He wants to sleep with other people. And <laughs> right. he was like, his thing was, it was so interesting when he was talking about it. And it's hard for me to retain it all because I get hit in the head a lot. But um, he was just like, you say you love your brother and you also love your sister. So how come that's accepted? But then when you love your lover, you can't love another lover. Exactly. Love is not restricted just to one person. And, you know, the way he told it, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It absolutely does. And within polyamory, I've been going to a lot of these meetups. There's a meetup group called Sex Positive Los Angeles. And it's... uh, SPLA. SPLA, exactly, yeah. And so it's based on the tenet that all consensual forms of sexual expression between adults, involving adults, are equally valid. So monogamy is just as equal as polyamory, as being asexual, or being into BDSM or kink, you know. And so it's all about communication and expressing your needs, desires, and setting your boundaries. It's um, fantastic in that regard. And when they talk about that, it's what they talk about from a position of scarcity, as though I've only got so much love to give. And if I give some to this person, there's less to give to this person, and everybody has to fight for their own little pie of somebody's love. But we only see it when it comes to sex, like you said. With friends, you don't go, oh, if you hang out with him, then you know, you're know you not going to love me as much mm-hmm. whatsoever. Once it becomes sexual, for whatever reason, we see it differently. But it, it's been going on for so long and it's so hardwired, it's difficult to have that conversation. Like For me, I feel this way, but for me to meet a girl on a date and the first date say, hey... You know, I'm perfectly okay with you seeing other people if this relationship gets more serious. And I think that's divisive because people in poly community always say, put it out there straight away. Tell them this is how you feel because ultimately it's only going to end badly otherwise. Mm -hmm. But the truth is I don't know how I'll feel because as I said, I may meet someone and go, I don't want to see anybody else. Well, you're battling societies. So at some point, and maybe you know through all, I don't know, Society said that this is the way it is, and that's the major way that it is, Mm. especially like the 40s and 50s, right? So, like, you're going against the norm. 
you know, I, I, it could be the same thing as like, I don't know, even like steroid use or whatever. It's just like, in terms of like, you know, maybe steroids could be good for you. I don't, you know, who like if done right, but like we as a society say steroids are bad. Marijuana, say marijuana yeah. is bad. Uh, dating more than one person is bad. So, you know, so people that are easily influenced, which is everybody in America, especially, mm. you know, with advertising and marketing or whatever, uh, you know, they think this is how it works. Get married at 25, get married at 32, find your lover, spend the rest of your life with them. So when you go against the grain, which is what you're doing, you know, it's not it's not easy, right? No. You're, a, you're an against the grainer. Yeah, I always have been, haven't I? You know, like trying to live a life less ordinary for sure. But have you ever had these conversations with girls? Any of these girls that like, you know, you've oh, had these Oh, you're the only person I've ever had these conversations <laughs> with. Okay, so, so what's the question? Sorry. They don't, I mean, the girls don't ever ask you, hey, are you seeing anybody else? Or hey, you know, do you want to be exclusive? Is there any kind of discussion with any of these girls? Yeah, no. And like, so I'm thinking of like maybe the, like the last three that I've really, really liked and really, but they all live different places. And that's the problem uh. is I find and meet these great women in different places of the world and I'm not there. And that's like my seat. My, my journey is to find someone in Chicago because that's where I want to live. And so like, you know, recently I was like kind of, you know, half-assed seeing this girl in London and I, I, I liked her a lot. I could see a real, I could see a great future with her, but it's just like, un, and you're someone I think about too, because you, you went all in with a, a girl from Italy. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? And like, I watched you spend a lot of money on plane tickets and like, I see all this money, all this time and all this flying back and hours in the air and money and money and money. And then at the end of the day, it wasn't true love. And then you look, you know, I look back at you looking back at being like, well, I just blew whatever it was, 50 grand on, you know, trying to make this work. And so it's better off just not, trying to make it work and saving 50 grand, which is how my, I know we, we, we look at it differently. So this girl in London is just like, it's just, we kind of like, whenever I would go there, we'd go out on dates and we'd hang out and blah, blah, blah. And then I just go back and then we just kind of always just chat and we'd just be like friends. We're just great friends. And yeah. we like knew it would be sexual when we saw each other amongst other things. Right. Like, like I said, the last three I'm thinking about in my head, it's always just kind of been like fun when we see each other go out, it gets sexual. We're always very attractive to each other. And it's just kind of assumed, like, I, you know, hey, I can't wait to see you again. But it's never like, never, don't see this person, don't see that person. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I might not know how to do it, but I seem to set it up that way. Yeah. Probably like the way I make, like it's... the way I go about it. And I don't know how I go about it. You can, you can, you can follow in my life for, you can document my life and then you'll figure out what I do. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't write the book for you. Yeah. But it's just what I know. And I'm trying to do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, the issue with you, as you said, is the fact that you travel so much, right. and that's going to make it difficult. When I got into that long-term relationship before, a lot of it was that I was, wasn't in a good place mentally. I just got divorced, you know, I was sort of really in a very difficult place to where I felt like I'd ruined someone's life, and I was all to blame, and I'm a horrible person. Here mm. comes along a, a beautiful girl who only wants me to love her and make her feel loved, and like, how could I possibly turn that down and, and upset another person? Maybe I can make this relationship work. You know, so there was a lot of that sort of fear as opposed to saying... Right, I'm ready to make a commitment to this person, even though they live on the other side of the world. You know, so it, potentially it's two different things, and it is a lot of money. And if you don't believe that your goal is to be with one person for the rest of your life, then yeah, arguably it is a waste of money because you're perfectly happy with the way it is now, right? Mm. Or, or is there part of you that does feel... Without that long-term monogamous relationship, you're missing out on something. Yeah, I think it's it's weird because I've had a lot of life experiences, you know, doing the what I do, and I feel like that's the one like life experience like I just can't get a grasp of. Yeah. But I don't want to waste it with someone shitty. That's kind of how I feel. Like right. I want to waste it with someone that I think's like like fucking dynamite. You know, that's the tough thing, isn't it? Because you have to date a lot of people to know that, mm. to know yourself, to know what you want in a relationship. You know, and so until you get into a sort of more serious relationship, you you won't really know. But also, like I I see it. It's like I cut it off beforehand. Like right. I can see, like eh, I like this person, but I I I don't want to dive in deeper with this person. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Well, you know, unless there is something deep in the recesses of your brain that's causing this, maybe that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some people spend their whole life being single, and you know, I remember when I got divorced. Um, I was real torn up over it and I was on a flight and I read one of those magazine articles about this woman who was in a 
50s, 60s. And she was a businesswoman and she'd done very well. And everyone was saying to her, well, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to, you know? And she'd had a number of different lovers, but was perfectly happy like that. She liked having her own place, not having to answer to anybody else. And if she was lonely, she'd call up one of her lovers and <laughs> yeah. spend time see, with them. And see, I feel I'm like that, but I don't know. I don't know the other side of it. Hmm. And also, you know, this life, like, it's pretty, you need a, you need a shake up, right? You need a change. You can't just do the same old shit. Perhaps, but perhaps not. Perhaps the reason why you've never got a long-term relationship is because it's just not for you. And it's that grass is perhaps greener on the other side. And you yeah, see but I'm this. saying I think I'd like to do it. Right, but you're not acting on that. <laughs> right, I'm not. I, I say it, but I don't so, do it. Right, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And it's probably a terrible analogy, but it's like people who are overweight that say, hey, I'd love to be in great shape, mm. I'd really... But they don't want to actually do it, you know. Right. Um, the question is, if you're very overweight, there's going to be a very negative impact on your health. And if you don't get into a serious, committed, monogamous relationship, is it going to affect your psyche to where you feel unhappy, like you've missed out on something in life? Because I, I don't know. I mean, from where I'm standing, it looks like a pretty decent life, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's grass is always greener. I mean, I guess so, but like I'm, I'm in Los Angeles now, and I'm on these dating apps, Tinder and Bumble, and doing my best to even meet up with a girl for a coffee and then a second date, and it's, it's a hard graft, you know. And and, and I don't know. Do you meet most of these girls through wrestling? Like they're at shows. So no, I try not to like. I try not to do anything with wrestling. So how do they meet them? Like just out and about after a show. I, you know, it's a handful of. Uh, it's funny because I'll do uh, internet dating, but oh yeah, yeah. But the, the girls that I seem to get with are never from the internet. Yeah. yeah, it's just people I've just known or like throughout the world, and I'm not good at it. I don't go out. I don't drink. I don't. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. So it's hard, and I and I'm also not like I don't know the most confident guy. I've, we all have our own issues and body issues and stuff, you know. So like. Whatever it is. But, like, I know I'm not, like, the ugliest dude in the world, so... Right. <laughs> you know? But, like, I'm also... I, I know I'm not, like, the good, the best-looking dude in the world, so... But it's, certainly when it comes to guys, it's not about what you look like, necessarily. It's your confidence. It's how you carry yourself. And the truth is, and I find this, if you are, you know, ever sexually intimate with a girl, you've got about a week or two where you go, eh, and you, you walk with more confidence, yeah, of course, you know? Sure, yeah. And I think it goes the other way. I've got a friend in L.A., and um, she was looking for Mr right for the longest time and knew this guy and really liked him and was sort of you know scared does he like me or not they'd hang out and they'd watch movies or whatever else and then eventually she made the move and sure enough he liked her and you could tell when I saw her afterwards that she'd got laid yeah she just she was glowing she was happy and it's just such a natural human instinct and the fact that it has to come with all these caveats of it has to be this deep meaningful relationship I think I don't know. I think we're making too much out of it. No, well, that's society, and that's what society has plugged in is what the norm is. But it's, you know, so it's hard to fight against what society thinks the norm is. Yeah. Especially when talking to a woman who is, grow like I said, grows up with the, the same ideas of like, this is how it works. You got to, like, it's hard to turn. It's like you got to turn them almost. Well, and, and or smarten them up, you know? Well, it's because they get taught that if they have a lot of sex without commitment involved right. they're a slut and yeah, they're yeah. dirty and you know this is a, been from you know many hundreds if not thousands of years of christianity basically saying that sex is bad and wrong right but do you i mean let me ask you this if if you know a girl who's slept with like a few of the guys mm -hmm. a few of the wrestlers does that make you think less of her no i re recently i've been like good for you yeah. It's probably changed over the years. Like, you know, honestly, right? Not less of them, but like probably just jealous that they wouldn't have sex with me. <laughs> so it would come out as a negative thing. We'll just be like, I'd be like, fuck, they're having sex. Like, do you not find me attractive? Why, why, why can't, why aren't I one of the guys that you're having sex with? And of course, it's the lack of me even talking to them. Right. So, <laughs> or, you know, putting on any kind of hint of like sex. But then that goes back to like, putting a hint of like, hey, I'm sexually uh, aroused by you or whatever. But then that goes back to a big fear of rejection. Yeah. Where And then especially rejection in the workplace and then you're seeing that person the whole time and then they just have the stigma of like, oh, that's gross cult. He hits on girls like you, you know? Right. So, that, so it's better for me to be just be like, uh, 
better just not to even talk to them yeah. or, look, or look at them or throw any kind of sexual shade towards them. Right. Um, so, but no, but recently, man, I, I've been like, someone's like, oh, they had sex. I was like, good. Great. They have sex with everybody. So would that <laughs> stop you from sleeping with somebody if you knew that they'd slept with one of your friends? If, not in a relationship, but they'd hooked up with somebody. One of your friends, would that stop you from hooking up with them? Oh, man. It would, oh, it would, yeah. Uh, I, I think, like, out of respect to the friend, maybe? I don't know. That's a good question. And I, right. I don't know if I could sit here and answer. Because I know scenarios where, like, so there's a girl who has slept with a friend, and, like, I just knew not to even, like, approach it. Hmm. But, like, would I, if she was like, hey, let's have sex, like, maybe you know pressure would get to me and I'd probably would you it. call your buddy first or no oh, I don't even know it's an I was, I was having this conversation with someone recently and they said that it's just totally out of order and you should never do it that once somebody slept with one of your friends and they're off the market for you and I've felt that way in the past but now I'm sort of beyond that and I'm like you say it's for me it's a natural human thing and you just sort of if it's just fun sex for both of them mm. then I don't see what the I don't see what's wrong with them like me and that person having fun sex right if it's just fun yeah but like if it's a deep seated relationship probably and, and yeah and yeah. it ended badly and there's hurt involved right sure yeah right but in terms of them just hooking up yeah I think if it was and they had fun and they were like oh this person was great to have sex with right that's be uh, yeah I've actually now that I think about it I've had sex with a friends yeah and they were both like big casual sex people uh-huh. and the girl I was yeah we had we went on a couple dates and we had some sex and it didn't work and then well, I still talked to her she's I'm a friend with friends that's with her that's great yeah. that's and, so and I wouldn't be upset if she then went and had sex with anyone like right. yeah, well, you know, like it was just like we were kind of dating not dating. We went on some dates. Yeah. We both were like, yeah, I don't think this is... We're both like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. But like, hey, you're still cool. You're still cool. And yeah. Then, yeah. And I wouldn't be mad if she had sex with whoever. That's healthy, right? That's yeah. healthy. But I'll tell you what. She has... Um, uh, she's not in wrestling also. Oh. But she has um, a label of being uh, a bit of a hussy. Right. Gets around, you know. Yeah. But... I just think she's very sex positive. Yeah. I mean, the truth is women have like nine times the sexual ability or the ability to be sexually aroused as men do. So they should be the ones who are out trying to have as Mm. much sex as possible. But because generally speaking, sex is sort of oftentimes very pleasurable for the guys, but not so much for the girls, then I think that's why they put it. I've always said if it was as easy for girls to get off as it was for guys, and it was difficult for guys as it is for girls, yeah. it would be totally the other way around. And girls that'd, would that'd be, be a ones. good movie. You should make yeah, that. <laughs> I, I don't think that women are intrinsically better human beings than men necessarily, but maybe testosterone has a factor of it. I talked to someone who was friends with uh, a transgender person, and uh, they used to be a sort of very male-hating lesbian. And once they... What were they first, a woman? Yeah, they were originally okay. a woman. Gotcha. Um, so I shouldn't call them a lesbian because they were transgender. They, they felt like they were a man. Right. And so they had the operation and then basically took testosterone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they found themselves acting exactly like the guys they used to hate. Of course. Like, Wow, it's just testosterone. No wonder you know people act this way. Mm-hmm. It's such a a strong hormone, you know. And we're we're so quick to judge people, aren't we? And certainly when it comes to female sexuality, and I've seen that a lot, you know, just through the people I've met in the poly community. That, that when you would think it's guys that when guys get in, they're like, "Oh, great, I can try and have sex with as many people as I can." And there's a bit of that. But mostly with guys, they're sort of trying to get their head around the idea of non-monogamy. Whereas I think more so with women, they're like, wow, I can really explore my sexuality here without feeling guilty about it. And so they seem to be the ones that really jump in with both feet. I guess I would do too, right? (laughs) I don't know. It's interesting. I'm just trying to find my place in the world in that regard, Mm -hmm. you know. There's a... That Kurt Braunholder, I'll go back to him. Yeah. It was a This American Life, and he told the story of, like, getting a divorce from his wife, and then both, di- or not getting divorced, but then both, like, doing, like, a, hey, let's take two months off, and let's check in with each other. Yeah. It's not my story to tell, but it's, it's on This American Life, I, if you, you know, if you Google, I'll send you the link afterwards. Okay. But it's the same, yeah, yeah, it's very, 
And she, you know, I, I can't tell you the whole story, but she was, you know, she was jumping in and she was banging all these dudes. And I don't think he was banging anyone and he was weirded out about right. it. It's, you know, it's. It's called opening up. Yeah. yeah. I've met, I've met a few people who were like that and they've been married for 10, 15 years. What do you, yeah. What do you think about the idea of being married, being married and like swinging and stuff? Yeah. As, again, as long as it's consensual and everybody's on the right same page, then then it's fine. It's just the question is when people don't know themselves. You know what someone once told me that I thought was was awesome? And I, I have no experience in any of this because I've never been married, but like someone was like, they swing and the husband was like, I love my wife and, you know, I want to see her, please. But it was just like, if I love her, like, I, why would I go against anything that she wants so like if she wants to get railed by this dude and like that's like a pleasure for her like i would that yeah of course whatever she wants i would mm. love you know i mean it's never that simple there's always is jealousy is a natural human instinct you yeah know what i mean and so you're certainly going to feel that but but you want pl- whatever that person wants pleasure whatever it is you, you want, want someone to be happy that you love. Yeah, you want them to be happy. I think the definition of love is the willingness to sacrifice for somebody else's happiness. You know, So if you know that's better for them, then you should do it. And, and that's the thing. When you've been with somebody for a long time, naturally that sex side of things dissipates. But oftentimes the love grows. So you're with this person that you love deeply and you don't want to be with anybody else in a like serious relationship. But sexually... It's just died and it's never coming back, you know. So if there was a way to have that sexual side of things with somebody else but maintain the relationship and everything else that comes with it, because a lot of these people have kids, then great. Maybe as human beings that's a better way of relating, you know. Mm. I don't know. You know, We don't have the statistics. We don't have the statistics on non-monogamous relationships to know how many non-monogamous swinging marriages are successful versus not. Because that's the thing. What do you consider a successful marriage? Someone that stays together for the rest of their life? Yeah, and is happy. And is right, exactly. That's the big thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And even sometimes you'll see like old couples and they're walking hands in hand, but you don't know what they've been like for the last forty years. Yeah. Maybe for twenty years of that they just couldn't stand each other. And now they just become good friends because sex is off the table anyway and they just accepted that. Right. I know people who've said that. You know, they love their wife dearly and she has no interest in sex and has said, I'd never want to have any more sex with you. And they just go, well, I've got to accept it because we have kids together and, you know, she's not going to accept me sleeping with anybody else. So they just put their sexuality in a box. Yeah, it sounds miserable. And then, yeah, exactly. And that's when someone gets frustrated and something bad happens. Something bad happens and it all comes down to it. So I don't know. I mean, here I am talking as though I've got it all figured out. Right. You're coming across as the, uh, well, I don't know. As the as the, the the psychologist or whatever psychologist psychiatrist yeah but I, I but you're talking you're talking out your pro you're, you're I don't know you're, you're talking it out while you're figuring it out I mean I kind of feel like I've got it figured out just <laughs> uh, you know look I think monogamy should be a choice as opposed to an expectation I think that being non-monogamous is a perfectly valid relationship choice you can have a deep meaningful non-monogamous relationship as long as you're both open and consensual and that's what you want see but it's just i mean i know you had problem and trouble on those dating sites just in general and now you slash it in more than a half on monogamous webs like there's least there's less people (laughs) like it's even harder to find those kind of people that are going to be on your team right there is but you know like my friend says you, you don't owe someone the truth straight out the bat and because you don't know your truth straight out the bat until you've got to know someone this is what dating Who's your friend, is jesus christ <laughs> yeah <laughs> he thinks he is <laughs> um this is the truth though right this is what dating is you, you go on a few dates and you see if you want to see them some more and you want to see if eventually you want to not see anybody else that's what dating is you know i it's guess just, i hate dates yeah i guess i i, I want to go in my perfect date is they just come over and we just sit in bed and cuddle just cuddle yeah i mean it can lead to sex that's fine like the, the other night i was just i just made out with a girl and we just sat in bed and it was after a first date it was yeah. so comfortable that's it's just god it's the worst like sitting across from somebody at a table like drinking coffee and just being in your head and like i just want to be comfortable yeah i just want to be in pajamas <laughs> like you know like <laughs> and just comfortable right so I'm just like i like you know a girl fits i'm a nice cuddly bear they fit right into me yeah i'm a good nook right you know and then you they, you could just date from the nook we should i need to start a site like that <laughs> it's called date from the nook 
And uh, all dates have to come. Maybe it's, we got to find a bar or something that has couches. But you just lay on the couch together. And that's where you have your date. Yeah. Like in a spooning position. <laughs> and I'll be big spoon, their little spoon. And you just that's how you do the date for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know how great that'd be? You, you develop rapport straight away. Right. Uh, one of my profiles, I always say I'm the world's best hugger because then when we meet, the first thing we do is hug and that develops rapport. And I like sitting on the same side. Whenever That's I go weird. on a date, I know, and girls do as well. Yeah. Girls think it's weird. But it's it's body language. If I'm sitting facing someone, we're conflicting. If we're facing the same direction, we're in rapport. That's some Alex Shane shit right there. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, uh, Which you know. Which is mean, like, deep, I don't know, psych- psychological, like, Weird rules to like well, how my, to grab people. When I was in my last relationship, that's what I loved about it. We'd sit on the same side, we'd share a meal, we'd hold hands, you know, and and we just felt like we're going in the same direction. Versus this is an interview. This I'm is, looking at you, you're looking at me. We're examining each other. We're, yeah. So for me, it's funny. I, in a perfect world, it'd be it'd be a square table, and like you know, we'd each be on like the on the L of a side. In the corners. Yeah. Like kind. No, like I don't know if it's like one. Two, three, four. We'd be on two and three. Okay, okay. Sort of caddy corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's a hard cam and you're both facing. Yeah. Sure. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That would be a perfect world for me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could do that as well. But oftentimes they'll sit in a booth opposite you. Yeah. Oh, right. Opposite. Yeah. 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 That's that's hard for me. You know. But yeah, I'd love to get to that stage of being physically comfortable sooner. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's where I, that's what I do. <laughs> First dates in my bed, non-sexual. I mean, some touching and groping, but that's it. Right. And that was in Chicago, right? Yeah. Wow. And you think you'll see her again? I know I will, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. She doesn't live in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, right. But if you are going to have a kid, you, you couldn't see yourself having a kid with any of these girls, right? God. I, I couldn't see myself having a kid in general. Ah. Uh, but you want one. I want one. Huh. So you're stuck. Right. You yeah. have the answer for me? Well, maybe at some point, Rachel, who's one of my prospective co-parents, she used to work in an old people's home. And she said every person who was in there who didn't have kids regretted it. Wow. They all looked back on their life and like, that was the one thing they really regretted. I already regret it. Yeah. Not having this, this kid that I, I know I can easily have at any time. Right. Well, maybe there'll come a point and you'll go, you know. I've yeah, it was five years ago yeah. that I wanted this kid. <laughs> wow. Well, again, you must not want it enough because you're not willing to take any steps I think it's just I'm it. bad with, uh, I don't know. I think I'm bad with women. I'm not though, but like I, I, I just can't, man, I'm like a cheesy romantic. Like I just want to find that like the one one, I guess. Right. And sometimes looks has to do with it. Like, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I can't find them. I'm looking for that one. Right. It's been a whole, you never know. Like, you know, I'll, I, I'll date like some like real like babes that I'm super into, not just looks, but like personality. And then when you just like walk by and you see another girl, like I'll do that and I'll see another girl and I'll look at that girl and I'll just be like, why the, why the fuck are you looking at that girl? The girl you're with is so like beautiful. She's awesome. You should just be paying attention to her. And like, I hate the idea that I, I've caught myself. Does that make sense? Have you ever thought that? No. Do you just find yourself looking at other girls or you don't look at your girls at all when you're with a girl? In my last relationship, I didn't know. Didn't even think about looking at other girls. Once I'm in a monogamous relationship, that other side of me just gets shut off. Like the idea of being with anybody else, it's not even a question. But it's not even the, so that's, it's not even the idea of, of anyone else. It's the idea of like, I appreciate beauty. Oh yeah, I see. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm yeah. just looking and going like, what a, what a babe. And right. you know, to be fair. If a really gorgeous dude walked by, I'd probably be like, man, I'd probably check out that dude. Right. Be like, look at this hunk, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, okay, so that's fine, yeah. Nothing's wrong with that, for sure. Yeah, but I found myself going like, how come I thought you're supposed to like, once you're with somebody, you shouldn't have to look, you don't look, but I always do. Yeah. And I always like catch myself, and like, I, I not hate myself for it, but I'm always thinking like, aren't you supposed to not look at other people? I don't know all these expectations. <laughs> Who writes them? You know, it's it's from Disney, isn't it? Well, I also grew up with my dad always checking out women. Ah, uh, yeah, went with my like, and even like at a very young age, going like, "Hey, check this one out." Yeah, <laughs> not in front of your mum though. Yeah, right? of course. Really? Yeah. Did that surprise you? You were very surprised by this. Is that not normal? 
No. Yeah, my dad would always be like, oh, look at this one coming. Look at this one. Like, nudge me. What would your mom say? Steve. (laughs) (laughs) No. You have to know, though, that's unusual. Is it? Now you do, right? No. Most women would be like, what the hell are you doing? And like, We grew up with a lot of porn in the house. Really? Yeah. And a lot, like, easily accessible. Downstairs, like, over, like, I'd say 300 magazines and books. On the coffee table? No, downstairs, like, uh, in the basement, sorry. Ah. Like, stashed away, but easily, like, broken into by my brother and I at a young age. Including, like, not just, like, you know, it was, like, Hustlers and Playboys. And then there was, like, Cherie's. And then there was also, like, books on the Kama Sutra that I was reading when I was, like, eight. Which is really... Now I'm understanding. <laughs> but I don't even know what does that mean, though. Well, if you're a conservative, you would say that pornography dehumanizes women and that it may, causes you to look at women as objects as opposed to human beings. Okay, but that's not... I'm not a, I'm not a big one-night stand guy, though. Ah, it's not about one-night stand. It's like how you view them. Hmm. There could be something here. You judge a woman's value on the way she looks or as a sexual object as opposed to a full rounded human mm, being. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Have we gotten to the bottom of this? Well, I always remember like, like to talking talk to, to you about, about things Yeah, and going, you know, your parents are together, right? And they still love each other. Yeah. Perfectly normal upbringing. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out. But now <laughs> your mom or your dad rather, yeah. like. It was a very like, yep. Used to get like remember like the 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 CDs where you'd get like ten CDs for a dollar. Uh-huh. He had that for porno movies. Wow. Yeah, it was always around. I didn't. I remember. I bought my first magazine when I was twenty one, <laughs> and I was like scared to death. You know what I mean? And I don't remember where it came from. I don't remember any particular instance when. Either of my parents told me that sex was bad or wrong or whatever else. It had to have happened, I'm sure. I remember there was a guy at school I was friends with and just at lunchtime he like got his cock out and like pulled back the foreskin and he was like, look, look at this, it feels really good. And I was like, no, that's disgusting. Like, you, you don't touch that. Mm. So there had to have been some reason why I felt like masturbation at least was a terrible thing. I, I was 15 years old. God, this is sharing. I was 15 years old before I realized that anybody masturbated. Because I heard everybody like call, calling people, you motherfucker, and I know nobody fucked their mother. So right. when someone said, oh, you wanker, you jerk off, I was like, oh, no one does that either, you know. Yeah. And, and so I was on scout camp <laughs> in Wales, and there was a guy who was like, <laughs> he was jerking off as he was playing the piano. And he was like, yeah, it was, it was revolting. And it, I went, oh, my God. And I ran out of the room, disgusted by it. And I told my buddy, I said, so-and-so's just been like wanking. I can't believe that. And he goes, well, don't you? Everybody does. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no, do they? You know. So it was, it was a long time coming for me. And that was why. No pun intended. <laughs> in my early 20s, I really did just want one girl, fall in love, rest of your life together. And, and you could certainly make an argument that the bigger a part of my life that pornography got the lesser of a factor that was. Now, it was obviously a big part was failed long-term monogamous relationships that pushed me away from it as well. But I definitely think porn has has an impact. I really do. There are some people that say, yeah, if you can stop watching porn, it will raise your libido and you'll be far more attracted to, to real people as opposed to these idealistic, perfect people hmm. that we see in the magazines. Yeah, the, the last girl like I saw that I was seeing for like a good amount of time... Uh, I was having sex every day and I found myself or every day I was home mm. I found myself um, not watching any porn oh yeah because I would you right. know for yeah. me it was about climax sure and that climax was going to happen with her so I didn't need to watch well it's porn. always way better anyway isn't of it course. I mean, I mean I'll be honest with you there's nothing makes you feel like more of a pathetic fucking loser than watching porn and jerking off I just you know it's mm-hmm. like so it's ridiculous and especially at the end, it's so. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Like, when because you look down, and you're like, look at me. What Ugh. the fuck am I doing? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then afterwards, when you're finished, you're just like, looking like, this is absurd. I don't know why. I don't know why. I Do bother. women think that? No, because, you know, P 
picture a woman masturbating. It's she's on a, a, a right. satin bed and there's candles and there's yeah. music and she's she's learning to. Uh, to, to, to develop her sexuality. Picture a man masturbating. He's in a dirty toilet somewhere and he's hunched over a magazine. Like, There's got to be girls doing it that way, though. Yes, I'm sure there are. <laughs> and I'm sure there are guys taking all night yeah, yeah, doing yeah, yeah. it as well. But it's the perception. And, and yes, we talk about these expectations for women's sexuality, not being able to sleep with lots of different guys because then they're a slut. But there's also that same perception for guys. That if a guy's jerking off, then there's somehow there's something wrong with him because he can't have sex with a real person. Mm. I don't know. I think there's something to that. I, I you know, I, I think that it's way better to connect to somebody else on a sexual level. But maybe I'm just sort of too hung up on it. I don't know. But basically then, so my ideas of being non-monogamous and having a kid, I mean, you're living one of them already. Yes, but not by choice. Right, but... I don't hate my life, but I'd love to have a kid. I think that would like square it up. Yeah. And then also I worry about getting older and being like less attractive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my days are starting to wind down. You afraid of being alone? Uh, yeah, I guess. Sure. And not even like, even with a, just like everyone. I think that's like the easy, like it's almost afraid of like, you know, as your, as my high school friends, they moved away and then, you know, like. You know, everyone kind of moves away and then you don't have this community anymore. And if you're not married, it's like hard to be like single. And then my community of friends are like all around the world, you yeah. know, so they're not around me. So the idea of like a girlfriend or or a wife sounds like, OK, well, I got this like safety. Not I got the safety excuse of like being around human or interaction or a person. So like, yeah, like I, you know, I think I always like, it's weird. Cause I always like kind of dreamed of like making like billions of dollars in WWF and then like buying this apartment complex and just having all my friends just like giving them free con apartments so we could all just kind of have our own room. But then all like, you know, if like we all want to like get yeah. together and just like have like fun, like, you know, just be around right. each other. And it never, it's funny. Cause that, it's it's really you know now that I think about it the, the dream was never like get make millions of dollars and meet this beautiful wife it was ha it was make millions of dollars and have my friends around me at all times wow you know yeah but that doesn't seem realistic because they all have wives and jobs and real lives and uh, a woman probably sounds more realistic well but long term does it I don't know you know I think back to my grandfather who met my grandmother at a poker game when he got back from the Second World War and they got married and they had kids and they grew old together. And when my grandmother died, my grandfather was terribly lonely for the last few years of his life because he hadn't developed all these sort of deep, meaningful friendships outside of his marriage. Mm. Whereas my great aunt um, never got married, never had kids. And because she's developed all these friendships throughout her life, now in her like late seventies, eighties, she has loads of people to hang out with all the time. Oh, that's fun. So I think neither is necessarily better for anyone specifically. That maybe a happy medium is there. So here's my other fear: uh, my parents had two sons. Uh, my brother doesn't have a kid. I don't have a kid. I could see us both not having kids. Yeah. And then the Colton family is just done. Yeah. So I almost feel a little bit of guilt for thousands of years there's this chain of like kid 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 and then i'm the asshole that stops it you and your brother my brother and i right we're yeah. both the assholes that stop it and then that chain stops with me right what a piece of shit i am well <laughs> would your parents be unhappy if like they never had grandkids well, they definitely want grandkids oh really yeah but i don't think they think about it the way i do whereas i feel a responsibility to have to like keep this family going yeah that's a fair point i mean i want kids and my mum said to me she doesn't care she doesn't. you know she's kind of got to the stage where she realized she's not gonna have grandkids and oh, I f my parents i think feel the same way oh yeah like they've like they realize like well he's he's never really been that serious with anyone to pop anyone out so, right you know right but they desperately would love to have them for sure so maybe doing it my way might be an option to you. I would love to, but I also, I'm not, I'm so like in my own head that I wouldn't take the, it's like I'd almost have to find it organically, you know? Like I, I feel like going out and trying to find that is just so, sounds so hard and sounds like so much work. I mean, I guess so, but is, is, it, is it less work or is it more work than finding a traditional relationship that's going to last romantically for the rest of your life as well? Probably not. I mean, you could find a lovely girl, one of these girls that you're dating sort of casually, so to speak, 
and have a kid with her and go on the road still and, and have an open relationship almost while she's home with the kid. Sounds great. Let's do it. Well, there you go. You going to find me one? Well, talk to them. I, You've got these girls. Oh, I, I, I feel like it'd be such a mean thing to do to a girl. Really? Yeah. What? To say, listen, I've, I'm however old you are, 34 years old, whatever. 36. 36 years old, and of all the girls I've ever met, been with in any way, shape, or form, you're the one that I want to have kids with. I want you to be there when I come home with my child. But they don't have the same idea that I do. It's like I have to sell them on that. Yeah. They don't have the same idea, so they're just thinking, like, this is weird. I've, I'll, I'll just, like, no, because, no, because I'm going to then I'm going to skip you and then I'm going to keep dating and find the guy that I, in my head, I love and I'm going to have that family with and then it'll probably end up in divorce and they'll probably hate each other and stuff. Exactly. The kid. But, it's like, also, I almost have to sell them on this idea. Yeah. And, but sounds... more importantly, I think we're getting to an age where more people are starting to see this. I mean, maybe it makes because... sense, but it's there's a big sell on it, I feel. Potentially. It, it, it's, it's very hardwired, certainly within the female psyche, to expect that. You know, that that's the only way for them to be truly happy. But I think as we go on, I guarantee you in 50 years, this will be more of a like, normal thing. I mean, you look, 50 years ago, what was that, like 66, something like that, 1966? Yeah, 1966. What a, like, if you were homosexual, if you were transgender, you couldn't be out and, and living a life like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if you were in, you know, wanted to date someone of a different race, Oftentimes you couldn't do that in the '60s, right? Not openly, right? And now that's perfectly sure. It'll be normal. progressive. I agree. I, yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Right. And you're going to be on the right side of history. Yeah. It's just, am I going to get there in time? <laughs> no, not? you I, won't. <laughs> oh, it's so, so hard, isn't it? You know, when I talk to friends that a year ago, two years ago, have said, "Not for me," and it's never going to happen, and then I talk to them again, and they're like, "You know what?" I think you were right. And it's almost the perfect scenario for me. It almost makes the most sense. Yeah. Because I'm on the road and then I can come home and play with my kids. Yeah. And provide for them and then go back on the road. Yeah. But, and that's all, I think I feel I've always been looking for something like that. But it's always, it's never been like just, just to do it as a parent. Right. But the more I find that I can't find someone that I, I that I want to get in, but also I feel that like I would want that parent to be someone that I'm crazy about too. So like essentially I'm looking for the same thing out of a female. Like I, I would want like if, to have my kid, I'd want you to be like the perfect person to like have my kid. That's the most selfish egotistical thing I've ever heard third myself I say, but you know what I'm saying? But it's me. It's like, that's my kid. Like I want, I just want the greatest out of the, the parents of the mother of my child. So right. essentially like I'm looking for that long-term relationship that I'm looking for out of a parent, out of a long-term relationship. Right then, well we've kind of uh, gone over a lot of different topics, covered a lot of stuff. I don't know if we've come to any conclusions, have we? Are you expecting to come to a conclusion? Sometimes I like to, sometimes you wanted I me like to, to have an epiphany. You wanted me to battle you? No, 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 not at all. I think more so in your own life, right? I mean, kind of, you feel like you got it figured out? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you, like I said before, I, I think you made me come to a conclusion five years ago when we had this conversation. Right. But I've just never put any plans into action. Yeah. I've just gone on with my life and just always thought, that'd be great if a girl just had my baby and we were cool and like we had some sex or we didn't. I don't know. Or whatever. Right. But I haven't, no conclusions from me. Right. Well, you know what the secret is, right? Have you heard yeah, of the secret? It's an awful book. Right. Oh, that, oh! What, no, whatever you envision into the universe, the universe will provide. You. Are you one of these people that? Like- I don't believe it. No. Okay. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. But <laughs> I, I do you're believe. Push the secret on me. I do believe in positive mental attitude. You know. Sure. And and, and I think you've got one. What yeah, I like to think you know me well enough yeah. to know that I live a stress-free life. Yeah. And I don't let much get to me, and I always see the positive in in scenarios. That's a resolution in of itself. But here's my problem is I don't think, I don't have an outlet to let women, well, I do have an outlet because I have a podcast, but I don't like to, a lover or a someone, I don't even want them to know me as a wrestler. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is hard. Which is the complete opposite of everybody else who's ever been a wrestler. Right. <laughs> Tell them. So, you know, like, I'll have, like, fans who are, like, beautiful and, like, try to date me and I'll just be like, or, or you know, or whatever, like, try to hit them and it's just like, I, yeah, I, you don't know the real, you don't know the real me. Like, I want you to know, I want you to start fresh and on the real me. So that's the, so I have, I'm very positive. So it's, but it's hard to get girls or women to like 
see that. Yeah. So once they do, I think they're charmed by me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't doubt it. Don't doubt it at all. Well, anyway, listen, thank you for taking the time to talk and sure. being so open. I know you've got a very early flight tomorrow morning, so we'll close things up now. Any final words? Obviously, there's no point sort of, you know, talking about your podcast because everybody knows where your podcast well, is, right? You know, I think, but I think the goal for this show of yours mm-hmm. is to find, I mean, I guess you have some wrestlers on because that's who you have a rapport with, but like... You want to find a completely different audience than my podcast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the sex, this is the sex world. You know, like, that's what you're trying to, to, to dive into. And that's the funny thing people have said, you know, well, you know, you've got loads of fans, you know, you must get loads of listeners. And it's, I just don't think there's a big crossover, you know? Sure. Yeah. But there's definitely an audience for this. Yes. Definitely. Absolutely. And you got to find them. Right. So if, you know, and what's going to happen is five years from now, They'll listen to the back catalog and they'll be like, oh, Colt Cabana. And so they can go to ColtCabana.com and find out everything about me. <laughs> there you go. All right, mate. Well, I appreciate it. Great hanging out with you again. I know we don't get a chance to hang out a lot, so I'm glad we can. I was going to invite you to have my baby. <laughs> I think I need a womb for that. Yeah. All right. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Well, that is it. One week closer to Six Feet Under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know would be a good match for me as a parenting partner here in Los Angeles. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Please rate, write a review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Show some love. I'll be back next week, but if you want more before, then you can read my weekly blog at nigelwrestling.com forward slash blog, where you can also buy merchandise, book me, or just send me a nice message. Until then, wherever you are, and whoever you're with, hope you find kindness and love. Be happy.